0: In the name of Jesus, Amen. Dear Saints, last week we considered the question, what is the Lord's Supper? And we talked about the unio sacramentalis, that is, that the sacramental union, that Christ is indeed in the bread and with the wine. We also talked about the foolishness of doubting God, Uh, The foolishness of believing some of his words and then rejecting others of his words. And the example of Abraham and Sarah who laughed when God told them the promise that they would conceive and have a child, even in their old age. Well, tonight uh, we're considering the question, where is this written? Um, Christ Jesus, God himself, God of God, light of light, himself says Uh, the the very words that we have uh, in the scriptures that St. Matthew, St. Mark, St. Luke, and St. Paul have all recorded for us to learn, uh, to take to heart. And these words, which are the words of institution that you hear every Sunday from the altar, the ones that I sing, Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, it took bread and broke it and gave it to his disciples, and so on and so forth, and said, This is my body. Uh, Those words there is a Latin name for them, and they're called the Verba Domini, which means the words of our Lord. Uh, these words are uh, chanted, and the reason they're chanted is so that everyone can hear them very clearly. It's the loudest possible way to to communicate those words without shouting. So those words are sung, uh, also so that they could be memorized and taken to heart. And this is, in fact, a very... Unique and very Lutheran thing. Um, During the verba domini, during the words of institution, everyone ought to stop and listen. So that means there's nothing to be going on during that time. Uh, Everyone is to be still. There's no going up, uh, going to the bathroom, uh, leaving, shuffling through things. We're to stop everything we're doing and listen, because these are the very words of Christ himself. Uh, Just as we're to do with the gospel and all the rest of the scriptures uh, in in the service. Uh, By the way, there's a a new rubric as well, that while these words are spoken, um, now that we have kneelers, uh, we would be able to kneel during those words. So uh, this is something that will be taught in time, but during the Lord's Prayer and during the Verba Domini each Sunday, you would kneel during that part of the service as well, uh, during those words. But the point is, the point of this sermon is the importance of those words because they are from Jesus himself and they are for the forgiveness of sins, which is important for us. So anything that's about the forgiveness of sins, we ought to pay attention to. Uh, that, that is, uh, it should be flashing words before our eyes. The, the problem here is that with these words, There are different teachings and theologies surrounding the words of Christ. These very clear words that are recorded four times over again in the Scriptures. And the question is, why is there so much debate and division and dissension and factions over the very words of Jesus which are recorded identically uh, throughout these four uh, recordings? The reason is, is because there are different interpretations. So there, I I said this last week, that there are three main interpretations, a memorialist view, the spiritual view, and then the the real uh, view, the the biblical view of uh, that Christ himself is present. The question is, which one is right? Uh, There's a lot of confusion surrounding this. So the different interpretations come down to interpreting the very words of Christ, So taking the words of Christ, this is my body, and then pulling them apart so that they mean different things. So the very first thing that you can do, the very first objection, there are three different interpretations. The first one is when you take issue with the word this in the phrase, this is my body. So there was a man by the name of Andreas Karlstadt, Uh, lived in 1486, so around the time of the Reformation. He said that the word this doesn't mean this. He said this, when Jesus takes the bread and he says, this is my body. He says, well, he's not really saying this to this thing. He's not talking about the bread. He actually, what he does is this. You have to watch me. He says, he took, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. He broke it. And then he said, this is my body, which is given for you. He pointed to his, his own body and then gave them the bread. That was his argument. So he said, no, this is not really Christ's body and blood here because that's what he did. And the problem with this is that that's nowhere in the Scriptures. He just added that. He changed history. He changed the account. Uh, And in in the four accounts that we have of this, it's not recorded there. So that's the first way you can kind of attack this or question this is with the word this. The next way... And the second way of interpreting the words is with the word is, in this is my body. There was a man by the name of Ulrich Zwingli, around the same time, born in 1484, so they're contemporaries, and he said, is doesn't mean is. In fact, is means represents. So is signifies. Signifies. So, what Jesus really said is that is doesn't mean is. Uh, What Jesus really said is, this represents my body, or this signifies my body. Now, the problem with this is that Jesus said, first of all, this is, and not this represents or this signifies. And second of all, is means is. Is, is, is. (laughs) Is. Uh, Is it doesn't mean represents in no language in the entire world does is mean signify or represent. Uh, Those are two entirely different things. Imagine you go to the doctor and you are you have a terminal illness, and you go to see the doctor and the doctor comes in, and gives you the diagnosis and then he has something in hand a syringe, and he gives it to you and he says, this is the cure then you would have comfort. Because it is what he said it is. This is the cure. There it is. It's in your hand. It's, you don't have to go looking for it. Imagine he comes in, and instead of saying that, he says, well, this represents the cure. It's a totally different thing. That's not the cure. It's a, it's a sign of it. Uh, but the cure is somewhere out there, and this is what it would kind of look like. That, those are two totally different things. Uh, when people hear this, they object. There's an objection to this. And they say, look, well, but Jesus also says things like, I am the door, or I am the good shepherd, or I am the light of the world. And he's not literally a door. He's not literally light. He's not literally a good shepherd. Uh, he represents a door. The response is, No. That's not true. Uh, Jesus doesn't represent a door. This would mean that if we said that Jesus represents a door, signifies the door, that would mean that he is not the way to heaven. He is not the door to heaven, but he represents it. So it's somewhere out there, and Jesus is an image of it or a symbol of the real door. Does that, does that make sense? So he, he's a, just like the cure, that he wouldn't be the cure. He would be a sign of the cure. In the same way, he wouldn't be the door or the actual way to heaven. He would be a, a sign of the way to heaven. The point is, is that there is a door to heaven, um, but it's not him, and he only would represent it if we're to uh, take, take uh, this, this apart. The truth is, is that Jesus doesn't represent the door. Jesus is the door. The symbolism is not in the word is. Is still means is there. The symbolism is with the word door there. So Jesus is indeed the door. He's not a regular door made of wood or steel. But he is the true spiritual door. And he does what a door would do. That is, he is your entrance into heaven. That you enter into heaven through him. Just like you enter into a building through a door. This is what he's saying. Um... By the way, Jesus said I am. In all of these I am statements, he's uh, speaking in this figurative way, this analogy. There's a certain context in in, in the way he's speaking. But in the verba domini, the very night that he was betrayed, it's a very different context. And there, he's holding bread in his hands. He takes it in his hands, he breaks it, and he gave that to them. And he said, take and eat, this is my body. Which is a very different thing than uh, simply speaking Uh, in in these uh, parabolic ways and saying, I am the door, I am the good shepherd. However, even more, regarding the night he was betrayed, there's no analogy or other context. Jesus doesn't expand upon it further and he gives no further explanation. He simply gives the words. The the main point is that is, is means is. By the way, one more thing about this is that the words are reversed. In all these other Statements Jesus says, I am this, I am the door, I am the shepherd. But on the night when he was betrayed, it's reversed, and he says, this is me, this is my body. Uh, he speaks of it in, in a very uh, physical, concrete way before his disciples. So the issue is not what the word is. You cannot take, the, the bottom line is you can't take the word is and say that it rep- means represents. The third thing, then, is this, is with the statement, this is my body. Then you can take the words, my body. Well, then say, well, if the door is figurative, well, then maybe he means a figurative body here. So, I'm going to go after the words, my body. Well, there's a man uh, by the name of John Calvin, who then said, my body doesn't mean my body. He also was a contemporary he was born in 1483 says, my body does not mean my body. In fact, when Jesus says my body, he's actually talking about another body, a different body, a spiritual body. He's not talking about his body, he's talking about his spiritual body. That's what's going on. The problem, once again, is that Jesus doesn't say, this is my spiritual body. He says, this is my body. And he qualifies it. And defines it even further. He says, this is my body, which is given for you. And he says, well, this is my blood, which is shed for you. And he defines what body and what blood he is talking about. Not some spiritual nebulous body, but his own body. The question is, look, is there a different body that he gave for us than the body he has? Is there a different blood that he shed for us than the blood that he shed from his veins? What blood is it? A spiritual blood? Where? What what is he referring to? So this is then the problem that you can take the words of Jesus and then dismantle them and say, well, this doesn't mean this, and is doesn't mean is, and my body doesn't actually mean his body. And then you end up with many different interpretations of what this could be. I said there are three ways to take the words of Jesus. Uh, I lied. There's a fourth way. The fourth way is this. Is that this means this. And is means is. And my body means my body. And there was a man by the name of Martin Luther, born in 1483, who did that. And there are Christians all throughout the world for 2,000 years who did that, who took Jesus at his word. Uh, Luther himself wrote more on the Lord's Supper than any other topic in theology. And this was not because he was obsessed with it or anything, but because there were so many attacks on the Lord's Supper and he was defending it. And his main argument goes back to the same thing again and again and again, is that the words, this is my body, still stand firm against anyone who would want to deny them. Because it's not a man who said this, it's not you who said this, it's not me, it's God himself who said it. So he defended Christ's words as they were. So this is the bottom line. All and every single denomination has an interpretation of the verba domini, of the very words of Jesus. Every denomination has their own interpretation of the words of Jesus, except for the Lutheran Church. We have no interpretation of the words of Jesus. We simply have the words of Jesus. That's it. His words are our theology. What he said is our doctrine of the Lord's Supper. No, we don't add to it and we don't subtract from it. And we simply say when it comes back to the the case over and over again, well, what did the Lord himself say? What did God say? He said, this is my body against all other thoughts, all other reason, any, uh, all of our senses, we hold the words of God to be true because He said them. We let Jesus speak for Himself. He said what He said, and He meant what He meant. This is the Lord's Supper. Uh, you may have noticed that for the past eight years I have said, and I've called the Lord's Supper the Lord's Supper. I, I've shied away from using the word communion or Eucharist or sacrament of the altar. And the reason is because I think the name, the title, and the, 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 the noun or the phrase, uh, the Lord's Supper, says a lot. Because it tells you it is not my supper, it is not your supper, it is not the Christian's supper, it is not the church's supper, it is the Lord's, it belongs to Him. It is Him. And so He then defines and determines what it is. And He determines what we ought to believe about it. And He also determines how we ought to receive it. Why in the world would we take His words and then change them and say, now we're going to receive them in a different way than than the way He spoke it? You see this? Rather, we say, that's not mine. It's not mine to change. It's not mine to, to tinker with. It's not mine to edit. It's the Lord's. And so the Lord said it, and so therefore it is. We take it as He gave it. So we believe the way He said it. And we also use it in the way He gave it, which is for the strengthening of faith, for the forgiveness of sins. This means also that we practice it, that is, that we use it according to His mandate. So there's a a practice uh, that that's around in a number of churches called intinction, where someone would take the body of Christ and dip it in the blood, uh, take it from the paten and put it in the chalice. And we don't do that because Jesus simply said, take and eat and take and drink. He didn't he didn't come up, it's not up to us to then invent new ways or to philosophize how this is going to happen or to take his body and dip it in his blood. He, sim- he said drink. He didn't say dip his body. Uh, in the same way, we don't use things like grape juice for the Lord's Supper. He took the cup. <laughs> that cup was filled with wine. Uh, it's, a, it's the fruit of the vine. So we use wine. Wine and grape juice are two totally different things. If you don't believe me, go driving with a bottle of grape juice in your car and then do it again with a bottle of wine and see what the cops say. They treat it differently. So should we. In the same way, we also don't practice this new invention, which is an atrocity, of internet communion or online communion. This is because the Lord said, when you come together... When you come together, this is, this is the way in which he was speaking. So we, we hold it to the, to, uh, that is, we use it according to his institute and his command. Now, uh, there are many more things that could be said, but the question is this. Why is it better to be faithful to the words of God? Well, simply because he said it, and also it removes all doubt. It takes away the doubt. Uh, when we start to change things, when we start to edit what the Lord said, it introduces doubt. And we don't know what then it is. Can we call it the Lord's Supper if we change the elements? Can we, if we change the words? And so on and so forth. So change will then introduce doubt. So instead what we do is we hold to Jesus' words. If we get rid of some of his words, why don't we get rid of the rest? Why do we hold to some of his words and not others? If this is my body doesn't mean this is my body, then why believe that the forgiveness of sins means the forgiveness of sins. Why? And in fact, what I found with most Christians is that they have no problem believing the forgiveness of sins, but then they trip over the presence of Christ in the Lord's Supper. And they say, well, that that doesn't make sense to me. Well, this this is a case of what we would call straining on the gnat and swallowing the camel. Meaning, you're accepting the bigger thing, you're believing the bigger thing that's harder to believe, and you're tripping over the smaller thing. What's easier for the Lord to do? To break the laws of physics, which He created, and biology, and science, that the Lord can break these things? Is that harder than forgiving our sins? Is that harder to believe? than the forgiveness of sins. In fact, it is harder, much harder and a greater thing to believe that the Lord forgives your sins freely, that he wipes them away. He does not require any penance, any works on your part. He doesn't require any satisfaction that you ought to do, but rather he has fully satisfied the wrath of God and all of your sins on the cross. That he's taken away the entire wrath of God. That is harder to believe. Than that Christ could be present in bread and wine. <laughs> this is what we ought to do as Christians when we're confronted with something that offends our reason and our senses. We repent. You count the years that you were alive and then you read the scriptures that say that from everlasting to everlasting I am God. That his ways are higher than your ways, his thoughts are far higher than your thoughts, as high as the heavens are above you. And we don't tell the Lord what to do. We don't add or subtract to his word. It is the Lord's word. We don't talk back to him or tell him. He tells us. And so this is what Jesus has chosen to do. He's chosen to take the very body that was sacrificed for us on the cross, to present it to us, to give it to us in our mouths, to eat and to drink for the forgiveness of all of our sins. Because there is no such thing as forgiveness apart from the very body and blood of Christ. There's no forgiveness apart from Jesus. He said it and he gave it. He chose to suffer and die for us. And we don't ask why or how this could be. We simply say amen to this. We leave it in God's hands. He is God and we are not. To close this sermon, I want to read to you a few verses of a hymn, hymn 622, which we'll sing in a a few weeks here. Consider uh, these words. Lord Jesus Christ, you have prepared this feast for our salvation. It is your body and your blood, and at your invitation, as weary souls with sin oppressed, we come to you for needed rest, for comfort, and for pardon. Although you did to heaven ascend, where angel hosts are dwelling, and in your presence they behold your glory all excelling, and though your people shall not see your glory and your majesty till dawns the judgment morning, yet, Savior, you are not confined to any habitation, but you are present even now here in your congregation. Firm as a rock, this truth shall stand, unmoved by any daring hand or subtle craft and cunning. We eat this bread and drink this cup, your precious word believing that your true body and your blood our lips are here receiving. This word remains forever true. All things are possible with you, for you are Lord Almighty. Though reason cannot understand, yet faith. This truth embraces. Your body, Lord, is even now at once in many places. I leave to you how this can be. Your word alone suffices me. I trust its truth unfailing. Lord, I believe what you have said. Help me when doubts assail me. Remember that I am but dust, and let my faith not fail me. Your supper in this veil of tears refreshes me, and stills my fears, and is my priceless treasure.